this place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Welcome back into the QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck. As always, I am Doug Scott, and I'm joined today by QB11. Andrew, good evening. Good evening, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm out here in Alabama at Space Camp in Huntsville with my son. It's very hot, very humid. I'm walking around a lot, but it's a really cool experience for him, so it's a lot of fun, and uh, he's having a he's having a blast. I love that. That's awesome. Didn't realize actually, like full disclosure, I had no idea that's actually why you guys were over there. So that's really really cool. Yeah, no, they and they had their uh, their mission today. So his team had their mission today, and their mission was to uh, launch an Orion spacecraft from Earth, go to the moon, land, swap crews with the the crew that was already on the moon, and then fly back to Earth and and splash down successfully. So my son's job was the he was on the mission control team. He was the, um, they call it Fido, it's flight, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up, flight dynamics, I don't know. He's in charge of firing the rockets, that's what he gets to Got do. it, so got it, okay. He's yeah, got you a great job, boil, he got, you, yeah. You got to boil this job. down for someone like me, I'm not yeah. like, uh, I'm not a rocket surgeon, Doug. Yeah, well, yeah, He so his job was to fire the rockets on all of the, all the launches and everything, so he, he had a good job, he had a fun. And it was successful. They didn't crash. They didn't kill anybody. So, although the um, the the second team when they left the moon and they got into orbit, and they they docked their <laughs> capsule to, or they docked their lunar lander to their capsule, and they're supposed to transfer from the lunar lander into the capsule, and instead of going through the airlock that was connecting the two, they opened the door and went into space. So oh, yeah, I think that would have killed them. I think they might have died. I think they might have died. Um, <laughs> But they they got back in the door. They got back in the hatch. So we're, we're going to say it was a you know it was an EVA. They did an extra you know extra vehicular, um, you know trip to repair something on the I outside. I don't think that's how the vacuum of space works. Well, if they're if they're in spacesuits, they can. People spacewalk. It's a thing. Yeah, but you know? but wouldn't they just get sucked out into the abyss if they opened the wrong airlock? Well, they didn't open an airlock. They just opened the hatch from the capsule. Listen, yeah. Doug, I just told you I'm yeah. not a rocket surgeon. Don't <laughs> well, you, you seem to sound like one. You're quite an expert. Don't don't raise your voice at me. All I know is that, like, the pr- – not okay, I'm about to sound like an idiot. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> anyway. We're going we're to go ahead. I think they might have died. 
but uh, they got a they got a mulligan and made it back to earth safely. So gotcha. we're gonna move on. We have some exciting news uh, for our listeners. And QB, why don't you tell them about it? Yeah, so we uh, we were reached out to for um, by Homefield this week, and so um, this episode and the next episode is going to feature um, some gifts from Homefield to um, our listeners. And so I, today, Doug put a tweet out um, asking for your list of top ten running backs, and basically we're going to critique those lists based on our own opinions. So hopefully, you guys didn't actually give your own opinion; you just tailored it to what you think Doug and I would like, because that's what we're going to do. So uh, we have one for today and one for Saturday. We asked you guys to do a five star review. Um, those reviews have actually, like, I know some of you have told me that you've done them. They actually haven't posted yet. So um, we're going to do the review ones on Saturday. And today's just going to be the people who had already done five-star reviews and tweeted us the list. So there's $200 gift cards. Um, Homefield is launching their drop for Oregon gear. So uh, Homefield is a boutique, like, retro uh, band gear company. And they make really high-quality stuff. I actually found out about them, like, two years ago. I think it was 2020 one or 2022 that they did their wisconsin drop um and some of you guys know that i have a bunch of family that are from wisconsin big wisconsin fans and so i am also a wisconsin fan and i bought some of their gear and genuinely this is something i've been looking forward to even if they hadn't reached out to us i would be buying a lot of this stuff on my own so um really excited that they partnered with us on this and that they supplied us a couple gift cards to give to you guys and um looking forward to this drop it's coming out on july 15th so that's this saturday at 9 a.m pacific so um that's when all that's all of it's going to be available online uh doug and i have been lucky enough to see a sneak peek of the entire collection and there's some really cool stuff i'm actually really excited about so um to start uh well this is actually a great opportunity so if you don't if you aren't on twitter or you're not on the message board uh, and you want to get in on the on the uh, drawing for um for Saturday's episode, what we'll do is we will be reviewing lists of the top 10 running backs. And so you can take our criticisms of today's lists and employ those into your um, into Saturday's. But we'll be giving out a, a second $100 gift card to uh, Homefield on Saturday. So uh, without further ado, I think we should dive into some of these lists, Doug. Yeah, let's do it. I can't wait to uh, debate some of these with you. Yeah, me too. I already disagree with a lot of them. So, um, again, thanks to everyone that participates in this stuff. I think it's really fun when we do, I mean, any, any way to like bring additional engagement in, um, makes me like, it's, it's fun for us. And I think we should find ways to do it more often. Um, maybe even figuring out a way to do like a call in segment on the show sometime, bring in some people and just kind of have like a round table, just get some other perspectives. I think would be a good time. So Obviously, we have guests. We have Justin. We have Hitladay, um, and I would love to get some more of you on here. But anyway, so we'll we'll start off. Uh, Zach Silva uh, tweeted it. He said, uh, "I posted mine with more context on the review, so you're actually going to get two. Uh, you're going to get two shots at this because since you did both, um, but this is based on who he watched. And you know what? Like that's totally fine to me. Like some of the people I know, Tsunami is a younger guy. He he responded as well." Um, like if you weren't around in the seventies and eighties, then I don't expect you to list backs from the seventies and eighties. And like, if we're being really honest. I think most of Oregon's really good backs have been in, since probably 1990. Um, with the exception of like Ahmad Rashad and a few others. But, uh, I think that most of Oregon's top end talent has been since 2000. So, um, anyway, so Zach Silva has, uh, James at one, D'Anthony Thomas at two, which is in, probably to my list a little high, but I, 
hard to argue with. Jonathan Stewart at three, Kenyon Barner at four, Royce Freeman five, Legarrette Blunt six, Jeremiah Johnson seven, Maurice Morris eight, Ontario Smith nine, Ruben Drones ten. So I don't know about you, Doug, but I like this list. I don't. I disagree with the top, the way that the top is oriented, but I like that he has a few backs from like the pre chip Kelly days on here that I think are kind of like necessities. I think Ontario Smith, Ruben drones and Maurice Morris are all top 10 backs. Yeah. You have to have those three. I I like the list overall, but I agree with you. The order in the top five in particular is, yeah, it's a little off. Yeah. I like D'Anthony Thomas as as, like, again, I understand he's a utility all purpose player, but to me, he's not the, uh, he can't, he can't be the second best running back of all time. Not with, and again, I'm not a big production guy. Like for me, like, I think that Kenyon Barner's 2012 season is the single best season by an Oregon running back ever. Um, and like, it's not really based in statistics. It's just based in what I saw with my own eyes. Uh, I thought that, I thought that season was fantastic. And I think that that USC performance is probably the single most memorable running back performance um, in my lifetime as an Oregon fan. And so um he based on career statistics would never be in the same conversation as someone like, like Royce Freeman, but to me, I think, I think Kenyon's a top two or three back in Oregon history. I I would totally agree with that one. Yeah, for sure. All right, what do who do All we right. got next? So we got tsunami. So this is a he's a young buck. So there's not going to be a lot of younger back older backs on here. But it seems like he knows he's his, got a his couple on a there. Bit. He's got a couple. Yeah. So we got number one Lamike, which is hard to argue with. Royce two, Stewart three, Kenyon four, DeAnthony five. And I think this is kind of a good spot to put DeAnthony because he's a really special player, but he just can't be in that top like three or four. Uh, Ontario six, um, Jeremiah Johnson seven, Lavelle eight, Whitehead nine, Bucky Irving ten. I actually don't hate putting Bucky on there. I think by the end of this season, he'll be pretty widely regarded as one of the best backs we've ever had. Uh, but seeing Terrence Whitehead anywhere on a top ten list, like no disrespect, Terrence, if you ever listen to this. I don't think you care about my opinion. Uh, but yeah, Terrence Whitehead is nowhere near. I don't even think he's like a top 15. I think that's just a production history. thing because he is in the top 10 rushing yards for Oregon all time. So but like if you look at like like a lot of these backs are actually stacked up together, right? Like Dat, Kenyon, yeah. LaMichael, um, like uh, Blunt. Like these guys all like run teams at the same time in some cases. Yeah. While Whitehead, like I think it was we were just looking he's at getting a lot of Gary Gary Campbell backs, like as a primary back, he's probably one of the least talented backs that Gary Campbell ever started. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't necessarily say he can't be on the list. And, and at least on Tsunami's list, he's appropriately very low, right? He's at nine uh, out of the 10. So, I mean, you could definitely argue a few people should be out of him, and, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But it's not, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily as egregious as you do that he's at the bottom of the list. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's all depending on criteria, right? Like, to me, when I'm making top 10 lists, and I know this is, like, very um, controversial, uh, is, like, who – if I was starting a team today, what – like, who are the 10 backs I would want to be my number one back and in what order? Yeah, that's right? a good way For to one that. season. For one season and in their in their prime. Right. I think that so, one season versus career is, I think, where it gets challenging because when I when I'm like when whenever you see an all time list, my my head naturally goes to all time, right? Like not a career career accomplishments, not single season accomplishments. So it's there's always that pivot factor of how much you wait a single season, especially a guy like like Blunt, right? Who really only had one 
me who's here more than one season, but he had only one season where he had any, but any like, how do you, contribution, right? But how do you handicap it when someone like Whitehead was on a team full of very average backs and Blunt was I, on the team with the I, Michael I mean, James I'm, and Kenny I, I totally agree. It's, it's the question, right, is how do you weight those things? I mean, and Whitehead's probably not the, the best example of that, right? In different but, offenses, in different times. Like, I mean, again, like maybe a more maybe a more controversial example of that is Royce, right? I mean, he compiled a lot of stats because he played four full years as the primary back. But yeah. I, I, there's a number of guys I would take over him. Oh, I man. would not trade Bucky Irving for Royce Freeman straight up for this season. I would rather have Bucky than Royce. I, I don't think that's I don't I think some people would would find that controversial, but I'm not one of them. Yeah, I mean, again, like that's yeah. just my opinion. Um, let's see, Rob Warnock. Well, he. So uh, well, no I guess order. maybe we should we should kind of like compare each list against the previous one so we have a, a current leader and then see if the next list we read yeah okay that that's leader. a good way of doing this yeah. that, thank you for adding process so do you like snow I, or you like the first one i like the first one just because it doesn't have terrence whitehead on it <laughs> i like tsunamis because his top five is much closer to accurate yeah i i mean i agree with his top five okay fine tsunami can be pole position for now okay all right tsunami sits in poles we moved to rob warnock well, Rob says no order, which is like totally against top 10 list. So we're going to take it from top to bottom as if the it order was the he wrote it list. is the order he gets. Yep. Yep, exactly. And in which case, like you've got Morris and Renfro above Barner and Stewart. So you're not. Yeah, That's he's got just to go the whole list. He's got James, uh, Ruben Drones, Ontario Smith, Mercury, uh, Mercury Morris. <laughs> Mercury <myself>. Morris. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he was a running back for the Miami Dolphins in the early 70s. Um, Maurice Morris, uh, Mel Renfro, Freeman, Varner, Lavelle, Johnson, and Stewart. So, yeah, I can't. He definitely does not pass Tsunami with that order. No, no. Order that I, mean, I, don't mind, anyway. I don't mind the backs on here, but I'm not old enough to have watched some of those guys. Um, like, I wasn't. I don't even think I was alive for Mel Renfro. I don't think I was alive for Mel Renfro either. Yeah. Okay. So Reno, Tahoe, Duck, LMJ, Stewart, Barner. Oh, I already like this list. Freeman, Drones, Moore, Lavelle, Morris, Smith, Blunt. Honorable mention, Johnson, Verdell, McCullough, Whitehead, Die, Irving, Burwell, and Whittle. Okay, so that's the best top five we've seen yet. Yes. In my opinion, like this is actually probably my top five. LaMichael, Stewart, Barner, Royce, Ruben Drone. I actually don't think I would have I, – I would probably have Royce outside my top five, which, again, as I understand, is very controversial given his, his production. But, like, again, I don't really care how many yards you had in your career because it's all – that's, like, so dependent on the backs that you were there with. And, like, there's a lot of things that play into that. But right. I, think, I think this has to be our, our pole position list. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I think probably – Bobby Moore and Rashad's a little high at number six, but I yeah. think there's a nostalgia factor there. And obviously, you know, um, kind of his exploits beyond I, Oregon. I'm just glad to see that Oregon fans know ball. Like yeah. Kenyon Barner, it cannot be lower than three on any of these lists. Like I think yeah. genuinely like Kenyon Barner was such a great runner. I'm with you though. This is the, this is the new pole position. Reno's got the pole position. This is a really good yeah. list. Really good list. All right. So Riley Herrera, uh, we got LMJ, Freeman, Stewart, Ontario Smith, Kenyon, Ruben Drones, Maurice Morris, Jeremiah Johnson, 
Tony Brooks James, interesting shout. Ooh, okay. Wow. And okay. DeAnthony Thomas. It's a good interesting list. to have yeah, but, interesting to have Tony Brooks James above DeAnthony Thomas. Um I yeah, don't I guess I could I don't think I could go with that. Yeah, I I uh, I really disagree with that. I don't also having Jeremiah Johnson above Dat is tough. And again, like I guess it's tough cuz like there was like there was a period of time I, I don't even think it was a period of time, I think it was first career like I wasn't Dat scoring a touchdown on like every eighth touch. Yeah. I I, I think I, I don't have a problem with some like when I did this exercise a few weeks ago, I didn't even put dad on my list because I don't, I didn't consider him a running back. So that's kind of a hard one, right? Cause I wouldn't necessarily fault someone for thinking about it that way in the same way I did. Um, but I also wouldn't fault someone for putting dad on there at six or seven or five or whatever, you know, they think is. I'm right. really so, interested. I haven't read these lists yet. I'm very interested to see if Byron Marshall makes any lists. I haven't surprised. Like, we I, haven't seen him yet, especially like, you know, Tony Brooks, James, he didn't get a he he sat you know he was behind um, Royce for most of the time he was here so he didn't get a lot of playing time and I think Tony Brooks James was a good runner like, yeah I, I don't think I don't think he's like out of place on these lists um, I wouldn't have him in my top ten um, I but I, I'd be more inclined to have someone like Byron Marshall who again like to me Byron Marshall is super underrated especially yeah and again this is kind of tough to like quantify uh, in a running back list but. The fact that he switched to receiver as a junior after having two 1,000-yard seasons as a rusher and then caught over 1,000 yards, like he was really impressive. He was a really good player. Yeah, and kind of he was one just of those a good, unheralded. Yeah, yeah forgotten about good Ducks. football player. Really good. I, yeah, I, I, this is a decent list. Um, I think I like the last one a little better. I think the ordering is better on the last one, especially at the top of the list. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, Reno still as the leader. Yeah, I agree. So we're gonna go to Grant, Grant at Grant TDM, uh, Lamichael James, Ruben Drones, pre-broken leg, good little shout there. Jonathan Stewart, Freeman, Barner, Maurice Morris, Ontario Smith, Bobby Moore, Cola, and that. I actually like that. This is a good list. Um, this is a this is a really good list. I I think that Ruben Drones is like insane. So I could I could get behind Ruben Drones at two. I, I think that anyone that doesn't have Jonathan Stewart top three is probably a little lost in the sauce. Maybe, maybe like got their weekend yeah, started. He's a got little Stewart early. at three. He's got Barner at yeah, five so, and Royce at four. I'd probably flip flop those, but they're not. I mean, I think the top five is the right five. And I think he's got the Maurice Morris, Ontario Smith ordering, right? Like to me, I would rather have Maurice Morris than Ontario Smith. Not that Ontario Smith was a bad back by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah, no, I I, this is a really good one. list. Man, this is this so this I, one or or Reno. I like this list best so far, if I'm honest. Um, I, I don't I, like I kind of with you. He's got dat he's yeah, got dat lower got than dat I would. It. Yeah. But Reno but like, didn't even have that like, on the list. Without having guys here to be able to defend their list, like I can understand an argument for dat being lower just based on the fact that he wasn't a full-time back. I think but, I think I like this one a little better than Reno's because Reno had had Bobby Moore at five and Derek Lavelle at six, and he didn't have um, he didn't have Jeremiah Johnson on the list at all. Yeah, I like I like Jeremiah Johnson. I think he was a good back. I think a lot of Oregon fans remember the Oregon State game, um, that that Oregon State game where they were I think Rose Bowl bound, right? If we didn't yeah. beat them, um, and. Like that was a tremendous performance, but 
I think like over his career, I think that there was quite a few backs better than Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, and, and sorry, I was looking at the wrong list. Grant doesn't have Johnson on his list either. So it I'm also I, like I'm really gonna go glad. Grant. I'm gonna go Grant over Reno, but it's really close. Like, I'm also really like it'd be interesting. Like I'm glad to not see CJ Verdell on a lot of these lists. Like I think he was a solid back, but I don't think he was even the best back on those teams. Like I think Travis Dye was better. Yeah, I would agree. Um he doesn't belong in the so, top ten. Neither one. Yeah. Uh, George, you got, you got Reno. You got Reno, or you got um, Grant? Oh, I got Grant. I like you're, you're with Grant. Okay. Okay. We're on. We're How about you? What are your, what's your thoughts? No, I think it's close because I I think Reno's list is really good too. But I I'll take Grant as a slight nod at this point. I thought right, his yeah. second five um, was a little solid, a little more solid. I thought you know I actually liked Reno's first five ordering a little better, having Barner ahead of Royce, but I like. Um, I like the second five, six through ten of Grant's. All right, so George Steenkolk is an old head for sure. Like this is like he's a big Mike Bellotti fan. So we got James one, Derek Laville two, Ahmad Rashad three, Jonathan Stewart four, Royce Freeman five, Jeremiah Johnson six, Alphonse Lehman seven. It's a na- new name to the to the party. Uh, Terrence Whitehead eight, DeAnthony Thomas nine, Mel Renfro ten. Um, I will I will start by saying. One of the things when doing these exercises in any sport, in any position, whatever you want to call it, is comparing guys from very different eras of football, in this case, is always challenging. Yeah. The, the game is just Well, but different. the thing is, there's some guys that are transcendent, right? Like, there's sure. like, guys, like, so for instance, like when, like, again, this is an p- unpopular opinion. Like, I think the best running back, well, it's not unpopular at all, actually. I think the best running back of all time is Barry Sanders. I think the second best running back of all time is, is Bo Jackson. And like to me, the reason I say that is because I think that you could drop either one of those guys in their prime onto the field today, and they're still the best running back in the league. I, I think you could probably say the same for Jim Brown, but that goes back even further. Yeah, um, yeah, no, for sure. But like, I'm just saying, like when you have like transcendent, trans- right? But most guys aren't transcendent, and then it becomes harder when you're 100%. trying to do a list like this. But so I, well, I want to be Terrence, respectful. One, to like, if I dropped Terrence Whitehead on the yeah. 2023 Oregon Ducks, like <laughs> he's not again, not to be. Yeah, I really hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, but like. <laughs> He's like the fourth or fifth. What's your back beef with Terrence, team. man? Jeez, dude, he was—I don't know. I just have beef. Like everyone, like, but again, that wasn't like after him. Oregon went on the quick, the craziest run of running backs in program history. But like, he just was not the same quality as those guys. Um, so I, to, for that reason alone, I'm gonna stick with Grant. I think Grant's list was better. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I think Derek. I think Derek Lavelle too is a bit of a reach. Yeah, it's, he, it's again, too he, high. not that he wasn't a good player. There, are, these are all good players. We're splitting hairs, but all right, who's next? Benjamin Fusick. So he's got James Freeman, Laville, um, Barner, Stewart, Tomp, Dat, Bobby Moore, C.J. Verdell, Terrence Whitehead, Ontario Smith. Yeah, again, any list that has Ontario <laughs> Smith below Terrence Whitehead is not better than Grant's list. And I would add Lavelle again, too high at number three. Yeah, um, not not over like, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, and, and Kenyon Barner. That's just too high. Well, and we're not. We don't even have Ruben Drones. I mean, isn't Drones even on the list. isn't even on the list. Morris isn't even on the list. Yeah, I. You know, it's clear. Still going with Grant. Okay, um, Rip City. WTD says one. Colt Lyrell Brian Bennett combined. No one else compares. Yeah, honestly. If someone wanted to throw Colt Lyrilla against Arizona in 2012 <laughs> on this list, 
I wouldn't have been mad. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have made it the best list, but um, do you remember that game? I, I, I no, it's not ringing a bell. I don't remember what I don't remember the situation. So that was the game that they had the combined touchdown, I believe. Uh, it was a home game, but like we were, we just put Colt in the backfield and we're like flat out handing him the ball and like late in the game to put the game on ice. And like he was actually breaking out trunk junk yards. That guy is such a freak. It's such a shame that like he went down the path that he went down because athletically, I think, I think he legitimately might be the best overall athlete to ever go through Oregon. Oh, just athletic was, in terms of athletic. He was gifts. a freak. He was a freak for sure. I mean, I'm talking Oregon football again. I understand yeah. there's been incredible yeah. athletes in other sports, but like he was just different. Um, Kevin Traeger duck 12 does LMJ Freeman Barner like that. I would prefer Stewart where Freeman is, but I can, I can get down with that. The Anthony Thomas again, I think your top five is right. I disagree with the order a little bit. Uh, Ontario Lavelle Whittle Burrell and Whitehead. Um, again, like Ruben drones getting disrespected on this list a little bit. I don't know. I, I think we might have a winner. We'll see here. All right. So now we got Seth that was, Panther. That was, who was that? Was that Fusick that we just did? That was Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Traeger Duck 12. Yeah. Whittle. Yeah. Ricky Whittle. First first uh, mention of him. I remember watching yeah, him. Yeah, he was a, he was, he was a good back. He was a good little back, yeah. Uh, Sex Panther. Sex Lamike, Panther. Stewart, Freeman, Barner, Dat, Terrio Smith, Drones, Morris, Lavelle, Bucky. Wow. Okay. This is a good list. This is the... This is okay, we gotta, I got to put these side by side now. Dang. Go ahead. Yeah, me too. I kind of like that he had the audacity to put Bucky on there already. I'm not going to lie to you. And I, th- I think he has the top five correct. I just think he has them in the wrong order. All right. And I, and I also think that Grant had the, the same top five. No, he had drones. But I can get behind drones as top five. There's no blunt on either list, I believe. And I can I can yeah, be no, okay with that. I'm okay with that. I can too. Although he was like, he had the best NFL career of probably any of these guys. Yeah. Oh no, Jonathan Stewart was in the NFL for a long time too. Oh man, this is tough. I still think Drones is better than Ontario Smith. All right, we got. Okay, so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read off one at a time. I'll go. I'll you. I'll read Grant's, and you read the corresponding number on. Uh, what's the other guy's list? What's it? Sex Panther. Okay, so yes, Sex Grant Panther. has Grant has Lamike <laughs> one. Yep, so does Sex Panther. Okay, Grant has. I find it again. Make sure I'm reading the right one. Ruben Drones number two. Panthers got Stewart, and I like Stewart at two. Okay, better than I'll give like Panther the edge there. Drones. Okay, so Grant has Stewart at three, and Panthers got Freeman at three. Mm, okay, I like Grant's top three better because I think Drones is better than Freeman. But okay, yeah, I agree. Four Grant's got Freeman at four. He's got Barner at four. I like that though. So he doesn't have drones yet. Okay, and then Grant's got. And then Barner he's got Dad at five. at five, and I think that five is like a really good place for Dad. Grant's got Barner at five, and he's got Dad at five. Okay, hmm. and then Grant's got then Morris at six, Smith, Smith at seven. There's like a pattern here of one lower drones at seven. Ooh man. Okay. 
Okay, then I've got uh, Bobby Moore at eight. Yeah, he's got uh, Morris at eight, and then Lavelle and Bucky to finish out his and list. He's got Solomon, I'm going to go McCullough with uh, DeAnthony. I'm going to go with Grant's list. I think the drones thing and the the drone th- thing does it for me. I think having drones, not having drones, yeah, the top and, five. I, and I do think that Saladin McCullough is a good. Uh, that's a good shout. Saladin. Saladin. That's how that. That's how. Uh, that's how you always used to pronounce it on the radio back in the day. Anyway, before my time. Yeah. Okay, Grant. What, what, what years was he? That's a good question. So is there any more, or is Grant our winner? Uh, He's our winner. Grant's our winner. All right, Grant, you are the winner of a $100 gift card courtesy of Homefield Apparel, and you can use that to get the new Oregon swag that's dropping this Saturday that I know a lot of Oregon fans have been waiting years for. They've been doing these drops for other teams for quite a while now, and they finally got the rights to Oregon. So I think there's a lot of pent-up demand there. Yeah. He played. Yeah. At, he played in Oregon in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. So yeah, I was two and three years old. <laughs> Screw you. A little bit, a little bit before I was paying attention. But All I right. have, I have watched, I have watched games from back then. To be fair, so I've seen, like, I, I know, I know he's a good player. And he had a good little, like, he had a decent little uh, professional career. So Grant QB will reach out to you on Twitter and get your info to get you that gift card. And uh, if the rest of you, if you want to enter in round two of this contest, same thing. Give us your, although we've kind of revealed who we like. So maybe we need to do something different. Kind of, but we haven't given our top 10. I think maybe we should do that with at the end next time. Okay. So if you want a a chance in round two, you can go and submit a five-star review. And like, we'll see the dates. We're going to, we're going to factor, like we're going to, we'll have to figure out a way to factor for people that were like earlier to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should say, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. We'll figure something out. But you, if you want to put your entry in, you just do do that. Give us a five star review on on Spotify or uh, sorry Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and drop your list in there and your Twitter handle so we can get a hold of you and we will uh, do this again on Saturday's recording. Yeah, well, Grant, so if you're listening to this, I just I just followed you on Twitter, so I need you to follow me back so that I can um, DM you your gift card code. So um, as soon as you get back to me, I can get that sent over to you. Yeah, and thanks so much for Homefield for providing those. And uh, again, look forward to those drops coming out on Saturday. All right. We got some commits this week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, we did. We got a couple commits this week. I think I've got, I've got three since our last podcast and maybe four. I don't, not sure we talked about um, Jaquan McCroy. Did we, did we catch him in our last? No, we haven't talked. Wait, I know we didn't. We have not talked about McCroy yet. Wait, all right. Then we have four. We got Riggs, McCroy, Wait. Williams, and Matuti. Oh shoot! I we haven't talked about Riggs yet. That's exciting. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's start. Let's go in order. Let's start with McCroy. So we uh, Ducks picked up the Alabama big big tackle from Alabama. Um, 
Jaquan Shaq McCroy. And QB, I know you've draw, you've written um, your evals over on Scoop Duck on all these guys. So maybe tell us a little bit about McCroy and what the Ducks can expect there. Yeah, um, absolute aircraft carrier of a tackle, right? 6'8", 365 pounds, 360. Um, I know he's been uh, actively losing weight. Honestly, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Cameron Williams, uh, who was committed to Oregon before Cristobal bounced from Miami. He ended up signing with Texas. And actually, I was listening to some previews for Texas, and it sounds like he's like pushing. He possibly might steal their starting right tackle's job. So Texas's bookends uh this year very well could be cam williams and kelvin banks which is pretty soon, brutal considering pretty brutal um but in the in, in a similar way uh, mccroy has substantially better athletic body control than you would anticipate for someone his size like watching him in pass pro um is he as nimble as some smaller prospects no uh but he has good balance and so um with his size and him being a 50 dollar cab ride to get around um it's you, you don't need him to be quite as athletic as like a box crater, for example, who's 260 pounds because for, for McRoy to anchor, if someone tries to go power on him is going to be very easy just due to the, to his pure body mass and size. And again, length, like length really matters. Like he's going to be able to out joust most edge players. Um, I think this is a player who is getting a little bit overlooked by the Oregon fan base. So I'm honest with you, just because I think we all, I think that they're, is a little bit of a sour taste based on some of the heavier prospects that crystal ball took during their time. But I think that if you go back and you look and players like Sala and bass coming in at over 400 pounds, Sewell was like 380 when he showed up on campus. Um, I don't think McCroy is going to be nearly that heavy when he shows up at Oregon. And I think that um, with continued physical development in the weight room, adding additional core strength and lower body strength, um, his athleticism is only going to express better as he gets stronger. And so, um, Again, I think as like a right future right tackle, I really like the upside with McCroy. I mean, again, like with all offensive linemen, there's um, there's a chance that you're going to miss. But I think that the raw tools and traits here, it, you just you can't can't make someone six six seven three hundred and sixty pounds um, with great length and, and body control. So really looking forward to seeing how his body develops and 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 if he can be someone that can contribute in the next couple of years. All right, well, let's move on. That was on, he, his commitment was on July 1st. Uh, moving over a couple days later, on the 3rd of July, Oregon picked up a commitment from running back Dewan Riggs out of the DMV area, a guy who knows and has played at times throughout the years from, from childhood with uh, both Ife Obadegwu as well as Michael Van Buren. So the, that kind of triumvirate of, uh, of guys from that Washington, D.C. area all coming in the class together. Um I know this is a guy that is a little bit, you know, not a four-star, right? He's a high three-star commit or, you know, on the services. But I know it's a guy that Carlos Lachlan has has really liked all along. And tell us why that is. Well, Carlos Lachlan has a type. So that's the first thing that we need to say. Like, when you think of Carlos Lachlan backs, you're thinking of guys who have tremendous instincts um, and, and spatial awareness. You're thinking of guys that run with good lean um, have great balance and body control guys that run angry, frankly, right? Like guys that are just a pain in the ass to get on the ground. And, and that's really what Riggs is. I think Riggs, uh, one, one of the things that I think doesn't get talked about enough is because people don't know that, that part of the country, but the league that Riggs is playing in up there in the DMV is probably the best league in the Northeast. 
Like that, that league I think is very comparable from a talent standpoint to some of the best leagues in Texas and California. And so a lot of really good football players up there and for him to be as dominant as he's been says a lot about him. Um, But really, I think to me, it's the, the reactive quickness and the instinctiveness as a runner. He just, there's, there's zero hesitation. He's, he's playing 3D chess and I think he's always like a move or two ahead, right? Like he's setting up blocks before the blocks are ready to be set up. Like he's, he's very much so in complete control of what's going on around him. And he's actively manipulating the field as he's, as he's running with, with really good pace. Like he's not one of those guys that's just a thousand miles an hour into the hole. Um, he, he shows good patience. And I think again, just natural run tempo and instincts. Uh, so I, I really, really like Dewan Riggs. Um, I think that he's like a really good fit. I think he, honestly, I think he's a very easy player to comp someone like Bucky. Um, although he's bigger, right? Six foot, 202 pounds right now, 5'11", 202. Um, so there's, he's, he's a bigger back, uh, but I think he's an all around back. He actually really impressed me coming out of the backfield too, as a pass catcher. All right. Well then moving on a little bit after the 4th of July and coming into the weekend, the ducks picked up their first two linebacker commits. And, and we've talked about linebacker really being a position of, of real need for Oregon. I know, you know, they may take up to four in this class um, for, you know, for two starting or two spots on the field, right. Two inside linebacker spots in this, in this defense. So, but it's a position where they really needed to reload this cycle. And uh, they got two of their guys um, first on Dylan Williams. Uh, he's out of Long Beach Poly, six two and a half, two ten. He's a you know consensus four star on all the services. And uh, tell us a little bit about Dylan. Yeah, and again, I think this is something that we've talked about a lot. Um, even when we were doing roster previews uh, in the in the winter, Oregon needs to get faster at linebacker. We need to get longer. We need to get more athletic. We need to get more mobile. Like it, for for this mint structure defense for the for what we're doing defensively from a scheme standpoint, it's a necessity, and that's something that really we didn't have last year, and it's part of the reason why the defense struggled at times. And so, um, I'll kind of talk about Matuti and Dylan Williams at the same time here because I think they both add very similar things. Like they both bring really good length. Dylan Williams at six two, Carmar Matuti at six three. Um, and both are exceptional athletes. Matuti ran for 1,400 yards as a running back, right? Like very explosive um, and like just sideline to sideline speed for days on both of these guys. Both of them are explosive finisher, finishers. Both of them are super fluid athletes that can bend and redirect so they can play in reverse and play in coverage. Um, like, again, they fully fit that Georgia linebacker archetype. Like these guys athletically are very much in the same mold of the guys like um, – Tyndall and Walker and uh, Dean that that were all draft picks at Georgia when when Lanning was the head was the defensive coordinator there and um, again like these guys fit fit that physical skill set uh, mold they're very toolsy athletes um, and they're not like fully developed yet like they're not 235 pound guys right now uh, but they have the frames to add the weight necessary without reducing their fluidity and explosive athleticism, which is really, really important. Like Oregon needs to get faster. We need to be more mobile. We need to be able to play in reverse, get it, get to zones, cover guys out of the backfield. Um, and I think that when you tandem what's being accomplished right now, uh, linebacker recruiting by adding these types of quality athletes with what's happening in front and on the front, recruiting these big like awesome framed guys that could two gap and eat blocks. Um, you're going to end up with a much more effective defense here in the very near future. 
Yeah, so those two commits, along with the two others we talked about, bring uh, Oregon up to 20 commits for the cycle, which is exactly, you know, kind of getting to where you want to be at this time of year, right? Obviously, they'd like to add a couple more before the summer's over, and they got a chance to. I think there's some guys that are maybe making the decision later in the summer, maybe not, um, but we're kind of getting down to the, you know, to the the nitty-gritty, if you will, and it allows it really allows the coaching staff to focus on, you know, the, the six or seven, eight guys left on the board and really hone in on those. Um, the 20 commits, 14, four stars, six, three stars. Um, that's ranked number eight in the country. But it's funny when you look at the rankings, like six, seven, eight are, are basically identical. <laughs> I mean, their, their average is I- almost identical. Their total points is almost identical. Their blue chip ratio is almost identical. I mean, they're, it's kind of funny. They're, they're like carbon copies of each other. And even Michigan at four has the same, classes six seven and eight they just have five more guys so yeah it's it's, uh you know it's right there Uh, oregon's right there if they land the big fish we've been talking about this all summer right if they land some of these big fish coming down the pipe they got a shot to finish you know in the five to seven range and if they don't they probably finish in the eight to ten range so um but so far you know it's getting linebackers in the class i think has been huge because that's kind of the one position that really didn't of, was of a great need and really obviously not having anybody in the class yet at that position was kind of the hole. And now you look and, you know, they've pretty much, they've pretty much got quality and quality at every position, you know, in the class and they've yeah. got depth at most positions in the class. So now you're just about how do we fill in, you know, the last five, six, seven spots with, you know, hopefully some big yeah. fish. So like I'm watching I'm currently watching Dylan Williams Junior highlights right now as we talk and it's just like the the length and, and twitch and mobility like the way that he's able to sift and fire through the trash and then and burst to close and, and tackle with explosiveness like this is exactly what the doctor ordered right like he's long enough to play off blocks but when it t- when it comes time to like to go and run and chase like he can track with the elite elite athletes and that's that's really what you're looking for in this defensive structure. Like you want big hosses up front that can eat blocks, um, disengage from blocks and play two gap. And then you want thoroughbreds at the second level that can run sideline to sideline and really make things happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly hope and expect that the Oregon defense will take a, a decent jump this year. It needs to, um, you know, in year two of landing and company, but I really feel like the 2024 season is that, kind of turning point, right? Where now you're in year three. Now you've got guys like this in the program. And, and you know, a lot of the guys we brought in in the 23 class will be in year two, right? And it, it feels like that's the point where that defense really could turn into a top 10, top 15 type unit. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, it's really, to. it's like, it's when you're not filling gaps with portal guys, right? And you're playing with guys that you have handpicked and developed from the high school ranks. Because there's just a lot more up- upside when you're playing with high school players than you are with portal guys. Again, you can you can get some good players out of the portal, and I'm not saying that Oregon's worse for any of the players that they've added out of the portal. But like when you're at a point where you're taking three to four portal guys a year instead of seven to twelve or fourteen, um, because you've just developed such exceptional depth on your own roster from the high school ranks, is that's where you want to be. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, going back to linebackers, obviously Oregon's got two more left on their board. Uh, you know, Braden Platt's going to decide in early December. It looks like it's Oklahoma versus Oregon in that one. I think actually he announced that as his final two. So he'll be picking in between those two in, in early September. And then, of course, Justin Williams looks like he's down to Georgia. Now he is down to Georgia and Oregon as well. And talked to he would he, he interviewed about this just a couple of days ago. And it's 
everything he's saying is it's it's truly a 50 50 right now and obviously that's uh you, you know it's a guy you want to land and it would make a big difference but it's also you know you're going head to head against georgia for a, a player from texas so it's a tough battle but oregon's in it and that's all you can you know you, you're not going to win all those like you've been saying all along but your your chips are all in and you're you're right in the thick of it so that's where you need to be yeah, yeah, and when you lose out on a player like Elijah Rushing, uh, I think it's worth noting because we haven't talked since then either. We got some um, questions like, coming up about that in our next segment. But um, go ahead. I got you. Well, we'll we'll get to that then. But uh, when you lose out on a player like that, like it 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 adds additional importance to that next crop. Like we Oregon again, like we said, like you're not going to get them all, but you got to probably go fifty fifty. And if you can go better than fifty fifty, it puts you in a spot to be really successful. But um, even if it's not Justin Williams, even if it's Braden Platt, like Oregon just needs to finish with three really strong linebackers in this class. And I think Oregon's in a position to do that. Yeah. If you get, you got two in the fold now, right? So if you get one of the two, I mean that you can't, you cannot fault this class of linebackers, right? I mean, obviously if, you know, if you don't get Justin Williams, like that would, you know, that's one that got away. Right. But if you, if your class of linebackers is Dylan Williams, Kamar Matuti and Braden Platt, I, I think, You'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would be upset about that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. A reasonable person, anyway. (laughs) Um, All right. uh, Anything more on this front or recruiting in general or the class before we move over to listener questions? No, let's jump into those questions. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's start. First question from Tsunami. This one was a little confusing to me, so I had to get clarification. If you could add one player from the 2023 class onto this roster, who would it be? And I said, well, the 2023 class is all on the roster already. He said, no, he's talking about nationwide. Like, So if there's some other player from the 23 class that Oregon didn't get committed, who would you add? Kind of a weird Keon question. Keeley from Alabama. Keon Keeley. Okay. Actually... Go. Dante Moore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't probably matter a whole lot for 2023, but sure would look nice yeah, for I mean, 2024. Yeah, I mean, like having, having, having a quarterback yeah. set for the next two years after would be nice. But I, I think, like, in terms of, like, impact on the field in this this season, um, I'd probably say Keon, Keon Keeley. He's the five-star edge. He was the number one edge in the country last year that ended up signing with Alabama. Um, him, him or Caden Proctor would both be players that I think that would help you at positions of need. Um, but I think that Keeley would be the one that's like, I think he's going to make a major impact for Alabama this year, which is saying something because they got some dudes on the edge already. So uh, someone like that I think would be a really good player, uh, maybe like a David Hicks on the interior of the defensive line, but there's pretty good depth there. So I think I, you, you have to go premium position. Yeah. So I, either hunting the quarterback or a quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, I think given what the roster needs and the unknowns, I'd probably say either either an edge, like you mentioned, or maybe maybe like a true number one corner. But yeah. I don't know who that would be, but um, something like that. All right, let's move on. Um, this is from our buddy up north, Neighborhood Husky. What He actually asked three questions. Um, what position improved the most post-spring? 
I don't know. Post might be hard to say. Post spring ball, what position improved the most? Mm. I, I'm going to say linebacker. I I think the linebacker position is going to surprise some people this year in, in how improved it is compared to you know what we've seen the last couple of years. I'm going to take a little bit different approach to this. I'm going to think of I'm, I'm thinking like where they made additions via the portal. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and also like what we've heard via injury, right? So I think the offensive line. The reason I say that is um, adding Strether. Um, on the interior, I think is a clear upgrade over anybody that we have at right guard. Um, and then um, from everything that we're hearing, Marcus Harper is 100% ready to go for fall camp. So um, that's good news as well at left guard. So I think that like, uh, I feel pretty good about the offensive line coming out of spring, but I think linebackers are a good shout. I think that uh, uh, Soleil is my understanding of how it's actually supposed to be pronounced. The linebacker transfer from Arizona state is going to be a player. I planted my flag on this a while ago. That's actually going to be very yeah. helpful and probably much, much better than people assumed. Um, the other one is is like probably defensive back in general. Just when you think about the, the quality and quantity of transfers that were added, um, I think you can make a safety strong particularly like safety. Think, yeah, yeah, safety is a spot. Okay, second question: Which or I assume he means Oregon coach? What which Oregon coach is on the hot seat or should be, in your opinion? Uh, I think Lapoy, obviously, like if the defense doesn't take the step forward that it's supposed to this year, you're paying $1.7 million for somebody that's, uh, if their unit's not performing as the coordinator, I think that would probably put them on the hot seat. Um, otherwise I don't, yeah, there's no one else that really strikes me as they would even be possible to be on the hot seat. Well, and to be clear, I I think you're saying Lapoy's should not be on the hot seat yet, but after the no, season, no, no. He could be right. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think anybody. Yeah, like if, it, if let's say that if you had a, if you had a mirror performance to last year defensively, I would say that would put Lapoy yeah. in the hot seat. The, the other one I'll, um, I'll but, throw out there is Joe Lorig, the special teams court. Interesting. I was going to go Drew Maringer. Yeah, that way I could see because I don't think I don't think that tight end recruiting has been nearly as good as it was prior. Um, obviously, Kenyon Sadiq was a really nice pickup last year, but um, not getting Jeremiah Johnson um, at the end of last cycle. And then just kind of the, 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 the tight end board this year has been somewhat perplexing and yeah. maybe, uh, maybe um, Jackson Ford will be a good player. Um, maybe Pugliano will outperform my expectations, but I, I expect Oregon to be able to recruit the best tight ends on the West coast. And it doesn't seem um, that we were really in it for any of the top guys this year. Yeah. I think that's a good call. I think yeah, it's hard to look, I wouldn't look past any of those three. I mean, if you go anywhere else, it's like there's no, no doubt. There's nobody else that would. I don't really understand the, the Joe Lorg thing. If I'm honest with you, Doug. I, I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't feel like we saw as much improvement on special teams last year as I think, you know, we were needing to or hoping to. Um, I also, you know, there. I also wonder if there's not another effect of not of having a, a one of your full-time assistants as just a special teams coach you're missing out on an assistant at like another position is that potentially causing a negative impact elsewhere either in recruiting or coaching or whatever and i'm not saying it is or isn't it's just i don't know i think it's i don't again i don't think he's on the hot seat now but i'm again i i think if special teams underperforms again for another year it, it kind of like the tosh situation you mentioned right then it could be a question of Okay, why are we have a full time special teams coordinator? Yeah, but if, if it, we're not getting in there? both cases, like if I'm being honest with like it, it, year one, I don't know, it takes time. Like especially with specialists, like you got to get your guys in. Like I think that it, he added some pretty nice kickers this off season. 
I was more uh, talking about the coverage teams, to be honest. I, I thought they were pretty well. Good that's well. also a factor yeah. of depth, though, and like and and buy-in of your depth as well, right? Like you need guys that are willing to run and hit and play disciplined football. And I think that like having a, a roster of primarily guys recruited by the staff is going to give them more credibility when coaching special teams. Like I said, I don't think he's on the hot seat yet, but I want to see. I want to see. Some, yeah, I think I, you're just, see I think you're just a hater because we're using scholarships <laughs> on specialists. That's no, not at all. Not think, at all. I just think that you think we shouldn't even have special teams. <laughs> no, no, I want to have special teams. Special teams are special. All right, we need them. All right. Um, I don't know where he's trying to goad us into something. I think he's a Washington fan. With this next question, if there was anything you could change about your program, what would it be? I love our program. Program. I love if I could program. change anything about our program, what would it be? Um, I don't know. I, I just wish that we would uh, stop taking commitments from guys that we know are going to flip to Washington at the end of the cycle. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I mean, oh, I, actually, but no, but I'll, I'll give it. I'll give an honest answer. Okay. Um. I wish we had a really rich leather helmet history that I could lean back on and spout off about on Twitter all off season. I wish that we were just dominant during the leather helmet era of football prior to the civil rights act back when, um, a lot of, uh, people were overseas fighting in world war two. And when, and when, and when the Washington, Oregon game was not played in Eugene for like 30 years. Not once. Yeah, no, I think I think like being dominant during that period of time, maybe having a national title or two that we could claim would be a really half a, a half like, a title voted on. Yeah, no, I, I wish we had LED. I wish we had LED lights in our stadium. I okay. wish we had a new PA announcer. Um, yep. I wish we had better concessions and bathrooms. Yep. Um, yep. and I wish uh, they would um, do the addition and add additional suites on the other side. Maybe we'll get some of those wishes to come true. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else to add. Let's move on. Uh, Key nice, our buddy Key. What is a more acceptable loss? This is an easy question, in my, in my opinion. I'll be sad if you get the answer wrong, QB. What is a more acceptable loss, Texas Tech or USC? USC. Yeah, USC. USC is just a way yeah. better team. I, I will be. Ma- I'll be more mad losing. To, well, I don't know. I'd be pretty mad if we lose Tech, but I mean, USC is. A really good team. So I have respect for both programs, but USC has a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, and like no matter how much I don't like Lincoln Riley, he's an he's an exceptional offensive coach. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, and they're a good football team. Not that Texas Tech isn't a good football team, or that they're not well coached, but they're just not on the level of USC. So I feel like it's a lot more acceptable to lose to USC than Tech. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, this is kind of getting to some of. There's more rushing questions later, but this is the first one of them, as well as some others. So Wink asks, "What is your feeling on Oregon recruiting misses like Pelham, rushing, and possibly Taua, due to the relationship investments the staff had made? Pelham with family ties, rushing with target priority since day one, and Taua with the Terry connection in Hawaii." Yeah, I mean. Um... The end of the day, like I think that one of the things that gets under talked about probably in in recruiting now, specifically, especially when you're talking about higher level prospects, is uh, resource allocation on the NIL side. Like, it, there's not, it's not an unlimited piggy bank, right? And so, like, I think that you can't really correctly identify whether or not you did or didn't allocate those resources properly until the end of the cycle when you see what you finish with. 
Um, I would love to get rushing, but if if it if it's like if it's gonna require like crazy money that is like quarterback level money, then it doesn't make sense for one player. On you know what I mean? Because that now, what if that player doesn't pan out? Like you've made this massive financial commitment, and you could undermine your ability, you undermine your roster, but you could undermine your ability with your boosters to go get the funds necessary for the right player in the future. So, um, in regards to Tamua, um, and I, I think that it's also a thing when you have to you have to look at comparable players, right? So, like I really like Tamua. I would love to have him in an Oregon uniform, but if if you miss on Tamua and you're getting Eddie Pierre Lewis, like I'm not shedding a single tear i'm not losing a single second of sleep um and so i think it's also dependent like what can you get when, when you're because again it's like almost a money ball thing like you have limited resources so what can i get for the same resources versus what am i losing in the future if i take money from that position to give it or from another position to give it here like am i unable to close on aiden breland because i gave preston Tamua more money to match nebraska like again, like I, I hate to boil it all down to money, but when it's close, it's a lot of times that's the deciding factor. And so, um, again, Oregon's recruiting really high-level players right now, um, and I think that what they're trying to do is make sure that they're they're getting their finances in order um, for the big recruitments that really matter. And so, yeah. um, we'll see how we do in all those. If Oregon strikes out in all of them, then that now you have to ask a different question, right? But um, when you lose one player, I don't think that it calls into question the entire process especially when um you've won so many battles already this cycle yeah i think well also pelham has a brand new baby so him staying close to home makes more sense there so well yeah and if you if you get jeremiah mcclellan does it even matter right to me right no it doesn't like there's a lot of there's a couple instances in which there's like players where it's like i like them I, i live they're all good players but like am i like I like I really could have cared less if we got Pelham or McClellan as long, as long as we got one. Like, and it's not a guarantee that we're going to get one, but it's, it sounds like we're in pretty good shape for McClellan, and he's coming back for SNL, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I think um, I think it's just harder. It's harder to judge now, right? You know, before NAL it was you know it's like okay, the guy picked somebody else and didn't pick Oregon. And it's easy to go like, oh, the staff missed. They, you know, something went wrong. The guy didn't like us, whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. So it's hard. It's easier to judge the situation, but it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more nuanced now to understand there's this extra component that we don't, we, nobody knows what the numbers are. Nobody knows that, you know, the deal for this team was this much and the deal for that team was this much. And, and so it's harder. I, I think what you just said is really key, right? You have to kind of more take a, I'm going to judge the class when the class is done because, you're sitting here in the middle of the cycle and you're saying, Oh, we missed this guy, but let's see where it ends. Right. If we, like you Wait, said, let's say you have a $1 million. Dollars, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you have a $1 million salary pool for a class. I, I don't know what the numbers are, but let's just, for example, like, is it worth blowing your whole pool on one player? Not if you're Oregon. Or is there, or is there more value, especially because again, you can, you can miss on guys like good, like five-star players miss sometimes. Right. And so it's like, like what? What is like? What is your risk exposure on one player? Um, and what so I think they need to be smart. And, and here's the deal: like if it's a player that they really want, then they're going to bang the table and try to get it done, right? right? So, right. and and um, if you're if you're team like Oregon, right, and you're in a, in the place that Oregon's at as a program, and where they're trying to get to to that next tier, right? You need a whole class. You need a you need a whole class every class, right? You can't. You don't just need like you know Oregon seven, eight, ten years ago 
was in a position where like, okay, let's say NIL existed then, right? You'd be like, you know what? We're going to blow our wad on one five-star because we're just trying to build our program, right? And so there's other programs who are in that position now, right? Like they're not competing to get to the playoffs or try to win a national title. They're competing to just make a bowl game or, or increase the profile of their program. So for that team, blowing half their budget on one player might make sense because that gets them... Well, it's, all, it's a it's a win that gets the fan base excited right, and all these right. things right and so like that's the other piece to this too is like what like like no disrespect to elijah rushing but like you're gonna go win four or five games every year like maybe and, you maybe you maybe you make a bowl game maybe you, maybe maybe, maybe six, once six, in your career yeah, and, yeah. and yeah and maybe maybe he ends up in the nfl still like who knows what's gonna happen um but to me it's like Again, like I'm gonna, I I am judging this class based on how Oregon performs with the top players. Yep, plural. Yep. Right, like to me, there's like seven, eight guys that are gonna determine how we performed in this class. Yeah. And if we get losing, three of them, rushing, great. if we get yep. none, problem. Yes, exactly. So like, if 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 losing rushing is a problem on its own, yes, but it's not a problem to me. Like if Oregon turns around and gets Breland Baker, Williams, and McClellan. Who cares? Like that's a success. Yeah, to me, that's right? a win. That's now a win obviously now obviously Edge is a premium position. And now you need to go get some players that you really like there. Um, but again, like from the context of, would you rather get one guy or would you rather sign a whole class? And to me, I want a whole class. I want a well-rounded football team, and I do trust the staff to make some evaluations. Right? Like go go sign a Solomon Williams or is it Williams? Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of Williams. Yep, it is Solomon. Yeah, Williams. yeah, yeah. Like, go sign a Solomon Williams and another guy, right? Yeah. Like, go get two good players. Um, if 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 another program is, I I don't think that there's any logic. I don't think there's any um, intelligence in just throwing money around to throw money around to get to just to say you won. No, not where Oregon's at. Right again, if you're if you're a pro a different program in a different place in your trajectory, that may that may be worth it. All right, let's move on. Uh, what did, what would be the smartest move for the Pac-12 to do for their media deal rights in your eyes? Oh God, this is all you, Doug. I'm not. I'm <laughs> well, just gonna really turn. My I'm, I'm going to go real quick on this one because the smartest move is probably not the available move. <laughs> Uh, but I'll just say the smartest move that's probably in the realm of reality. I mean, first of all, it's got to be a short deal, five years, six the most uh, to time it with the ending of, I mean, Oregon and Washington wouldn't sign anything longer than that anyway, and probably neither would anyone else. So it's got to be a short deal. You've got to have some sort of linear component, right? You can't just be on streaming only. Um, so I would say the smartest move, and, you, and to me, you have to get out from under the Pac-12 network being a, being a carrier right like if the pac-12 network still exists as a content producer whose games are distributed by something else i think that's fine uh whether so whether the pac-12 network gets bought or whether it gets just licensed as a as a content producer doesn't matter as long as they're not actually showing games because no one can get it um so i think that those are key things you got to be on linear uh, you don't need a lot on linear i think that part get, gets overblown a lot i mean if you look at you have 10 or 12 teams most weeks in the conference schedule. That means you're going to have four or five games. You really only need two on linear. 
no one's watching the other four anyway because they're terrible games. If you can have two linear time slots, that's fine. And the rest can be on streaming. You know, I think there's some advantages to streaming. There's a lot of disadvantages too. So I would do something. It's probably going to be Apple. I'd probably do something with Apple, but I'd try to get some linear um, linear exposure with, with some major networks elsewhere where I can. That might mean you have to play more Friday games. It might mean you've got to be on different times and be flexible. But you just got to get what you can and, and lock it up and, and move forward five years. We'll move on to the next question. Kelly Gamlin, how much of the aggressive offensive decision-making, i.e. fourth down attempts, onside kicks, etc., was due to Lanning's analytic new age philosophy versus how much of it was the need to cover up for a subpar defense. I love this question. I think that you've like, I think that that factors into like, I think those are both equal parts. Yeah. The follow up like, is to, if the D takes, the follow up was if the D takes the expected jump in year two, do we anticipate any changes to that offensive aggressiveness? Go ahead. Um, I, I, I think that they'll still play it by the book, but the book might the book literally might change because of that, right? Like the, the odds and statistics might become more favorable to punt situationally, right? Like I don't if Oregon had a fantastic defense, Oregon's not going for it on fourth down in their own territory against Washington with Ty Thompson in the game. Right? Yeah. Like that's a but like if if you can't stop them between the twenties and there's no difference in having them start at their twenty or your fifty. Or at the fifty, you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, like, I think that I think that it could it could adjust some things tendency wise, uh, but I think that their Oregon's still going to be extremely aggressive situationally. Yeah. So Oregon last year was seventeenth in the country in points gained uh, through fourth down decision making, and that counts for misses. You know, how many points you lose because you didn't get it, and how many points you made because you did get it. Um, and, and that number was actually much higher before the Knicks injury. They were, they were easily top 10. I think, you know, probably somewhere in the top five to seven range in points gained on fourth. their, their fourth down decision, their fourth down effectiveness was through the roof prior to the Knicks injury. And then obviously there was some, some big misses in the Washington and Oregon state games. Um, I probably, the, I, I, at the time, I remember the only two fourth down, and I'm a big go for it on fourth down guy. <laughs> Especially fourth and short, I, I'm I'm the guy who's like, yeah, do it. But I at the time I remember thinking I didn't like the Washington decision, and I didn't like the one toward the end of the Oregon State game either. And those, we both, you know, and that's not just because we they both failed. I just I didn't like them even before the play. But other than that, I loved the aggressiveness. I hope that doesn't change too much. Um, I think there are certain scenarios where where you'd like to see it change. But I even thought the onside kick. I, I know a lot of people really struggled with the onside kick attempt in the Washington game, the first half of the Washington game. I actually, I actually think it was brilliant and it actually worked. Uh, the offense blew it. Um, but uh, anyway, you ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is Oregon actively recruiting Kobe black? I never hear chatter about him, but he seems interested in this on Twitter. Is he just having fun or should duck fans be paying attention to his recruitment? He's going to Texas. Yeah, I mean, obviously he came up for a visit Oregon not that long is, ago. Yeah, yeah, Oregon's recruiting him. Like we would love to have him, but he's he's not coming here. Yeah, as Hines for all the old people on here, like myself, who used to be on Educk, he ain't coming. <laughs> he ain't coming. Okay. Um, had another question. I think we kind of answered this, but Oregon recruiting asked us how bad does losing Elijah rushing hurt on the field and for perception. 
it's actually a little bit different. I think it's more of a perception hit, right? Like you lost the top recruit to Arizona than it is on the field. Like, again, what it'll be on the field is what we end up with in this class. If we end up with a bunch of inferior players, um, then obviously it'll be felt on the field. But some of that we'll, we'll, we'll be able to talk about on signing day. Some of that we'll be able to talk about once we get these kids on campus and we see what they turn into. Um, yeah. Again, this is all about projections, right? And again, I'm not, I am not backing off the stars matter thing because they do matter on the macro, but on the micro, they don't to me. So, yep. Um, give me, well, let me, let me see what we end up with on the edge, um, and then let me see what those guys end up being. And then let's see, let's have that conversation in two years after we, yeah, after we see them play a little bit, right? That, that's kind yep. of the the funny part of it all. And and like you said, yeah, I think rushing, I think it's, a major, have, it's a major. Rushing could have a great career, but if we pick up another edge in this class who also has a great career, then it's a wash. Yeah, and but and what if that edge that you pick up costs a quarter as much, and you're right. able to get three other players exactly that also end up and let's just say that three of the four end up having good careers. What's the like? What's the value proposition with that? With that yeah, of course we won't resources. Know. We won't know the money side of it. But, no, no, and that's yeah. the thing too is we don't know what the numbers look like. But like, if it's if if the rumors are true and it was just like absurd, then like yeah, I'm glad that we were disciplined. Uh, Mike asks, um, love the podcast. A topic I'd love to hear more about is predictions for incoming transfer portal players as well as outgoing. For example, Williams at safety in the secondary and people like Keith Brown at Louisville, Stinson, I assume he means Swinson, at LSU, and Thornton at Tennessee, et cetera. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to spend a whole, line talk, whole lot of time talking about people that have left, but I do expect Thornton to have a good season. And Yeah, I think that I think he's a good fit in that system. Yeah. Um, I think Cardwell will get some good run at Cal. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a few players that'll have good seasons. Like, I think Monteveo specifically, yeah, like, yeah, and, and and Keanu Williams. I think both the guys that went to UCLA are going to have bigger, better roles there, and I think they're both going to show out in those roles. And I think Keith Brown could yeah. have a successful role in Louisville too. I think you know, um, and uh, you know, maybe Swinson and LSU, maybe maybe Flo at Arizona, right? It, I, I think uh, the only thing I would caution Duck fans is, just because a guy goes somewhere else and has a successful season doesn't mean that would have happened had he stayed he could have not even he could have played a lot less because he was another player here playing more or maybe the system doesn't fit as well or maybe just the the act of like sometimes the act of people moving in life right not just in football the act of a change is what triggers something else to change right and it triggers that success be able to happen so like i just for me i just like hey i hope all these guys have a great career and i don't look at it i mean yeah in some cases you may think oh we lost but you kind of have to also compare it to who's playing in their spot instead, and is it really a loss, right? You know, the, there's only so many footballs to throw. There's only so many, you know, reps to play. There's only so many tackles to be made, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All right, we got one more. This one's pretty complex. <laughs> uh, it's from Brian Abbey. Question for your next pod. Rank these things in order of most likely to happen to least likely to happen. And then he listed... Seven different things, so it's going to be hard oh, to no. just track these. Okay, but maybe we'll just maybe it. instead let's just say, let's just do like the paint thing. We'll give it a like one to one to ten, like ten being on each thing. Yeah, on each thing. Um, ten being like yes, it's a definite going to happen. One never happen, and somewhere in between. Okay, gotcha. All so. right. Uh, so Bo Nix as a Heisman finalist. Like a six. Oh, I was gonna say like a seven. 
Six or seven. Yeah, that's probably fair. I think like, I, mean, I think it's a possibility. He's got to stay healthy, but yeah, and we got to right. win. Like yeah. right, we got to like we, yep. when we got to win. You got to win. You got to be in the the running for a playoff spot in November. Or you're not. Making I, yeah, I think you'd have to win the conference for him to be an invite. Right. 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 Okay. Um, Troy Franklin as a Bolitnikov finalist. Three. Yeah, I was gonna say probably like a four. Not because he's done the talent. He's just not like I don't think he's gonna get the the. the maybe he will volume. though. Like maybe Stein will. Maybe Stein will feed him the volume necessary to do it. We'll see. That would be interesting. That I think. That would be like if Stein really is just going to feed him, then there's a chance. But yeah. I think that guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, have probably yeah. a stronger, stronger Rome. shot. Yeah, I mean, you also you just yeah, you got to win, and you got. We're, we're also going to be balanced offensively. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this one's a this one's a good one. Bucky with 1,200 or more regular season rushing yards. So 12 games, can he average 100 per game? Oh, I think he, yes, yeah. He I, think, I think that's like I think that's like an eight or a nine. I think that's very likely. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's that would be quite a bit more than last year. He had about. You know what? Though the other problem is, I think that Oregon. I think Oregon we, legitimately is going to break a foot off in some asses this year, which means that he might not play a lot. And we all half. we already pull the two in our backs anyway, too. So that's and the part. In, like I he's think, I think Jordan James. Yeah. I think Jordan James is okay. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna take mine down to like a five. I think it's like a fifty fifty. Yeah. I would and go it's with that. Maybe dependent on health. I'd go with that. Um, the offensive line as a Joe Moore finalist. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go like a seven. Yeah, I think, that's I pretty think a seven too. I think this line. I think a lot of people are really fading this line, and I think they're gonna be really surprised. This is not a. It's young gonna come down to tackle. It's gonna come line. down to health. Tackle health is gonna tackle determine health. whether or not it. Yeah. I mean, you could say that with any of this stuff, right? It's always all of these things are about health, but yeah, um, I like that one too. All right, we got three more defense top thirty finish in F plus. They finished, I think, I think like fifty eight right last 30. year. Something. Where did we forty eight last? Fifty one. Fifty one last year. Okay. Top I mean, 30. I would love if I would be pretty happy with thirty. Um, top thirty means twenty nine or better. No, I think, I think we'll it means thirty be... or better. Top thirty. If you're thirty, you're in the top thirty. Okay, fair enough. Well, fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I still think it's probably like fifty. I hate to like cop out, but I think I think it's like a four or five. Like I, I think we'll be right in that like twenty-eight to thirty-five range. I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a six point five. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. Uh, Jordan Birch, ten or more sacks. That's almost one a game. That's a lot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four. I think it's gonna end up with like eight, eight and a half. I'll go five. Okay, team one, eleven one or better regular season. Mm. Four. I think we're gonna go ten and two. Yeah, I'm gonna say four two. I was pegged to ten and two also. That's all we got. That's all. That was questions. good though. I like that. We should do that more often. We we do questions quite a bit. Um, I know when. Well, we no, like that last that last setup was good. Oh, I know. Um, I, I like, yeah, we'll I like those that types one. of questions. Yeah, we'll still. I like the ranking stuff. Uh, sorry we didn't put them in descending order to uh, 
I guess if you went and did the numbers that we spit out, you could put them in the order that you requested. So that's all we got for this episode. We're an hour and 15 minutes in. We are going to have another one of these coming right back at you in just a few short days. And again, you'll have your chance to uh, submit your running back top 10 list in order for us to judge and potentially win yourselves a $100 home field gift card. QB, you got anything more? Sign us off. No, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for all of you guys that participated in our list. Again, um, we'll be going. We'll be giving out another home field gift card to those that did the reviews on Saturday once they are fully uploaded on iTunes because we can't see them all yet. So, uh, thank you to everybody who listens and supports the podcast. Make sure to leave a review, um, and we look forward to talking to you guys on Saturday. <laughs>